Well, clap your hands unto the Lord and give God praise. Somebody be thankful unto him and bless his name. How many know for the Lord is good? That's enough for me to praise him right there. I, I kind of felt like the spirit of my pastor got on me for a minute over there. They were singing that song, How Can I Forget? And he always says that a lot of these new songs remind him of old songs. I started going back to my childhood and I just started thinking, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Some of y'all too young, y'all don't remember that. They'd say, how can I forget? Woo! I don't want to tell you, I don't, know, I don't know what God's done for you, but there ain't no way I could ever forget what God's done for me. He saved me. He changed me. He picked me up and he turned me. Reason to give him praise, even on a Tuesday night, even on a holiday week. I got a reason to shout. I can't forget what God done. Woo! Amen. Amen. The Holy Ghost is here tonight, and I just I believe tonight that somebody's going to leave with a miracle, and it might as well be me, as they used to say. Genesis chapter one, verse ten. So honored to be back with this wonderful church, the wonderful people of God. I give you great honor tonight. Give honor to your wonderful pastor and first lady. Again, I believe they are some of God's very best, and I love them and appreciate them so much. Glad my wife and children are with me uh, this week. Man. They... Uh, they were not prepared for 33 degrees. My wife said, we don't even have coats. We live in Mississippi. Uh, it was 80 degrees when we left, but praise God. It feels good to be in some cooler weather. Hallelujah. Let, let me preach. We'll get all messed up. Genesis chapter 1, verse 10. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering togethers of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good, and God said... Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind. The Bible says something very powerful right here. It says, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so, and the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit. And it says it again in verse 12, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. Now, I, I won't try to stand up here and, and tell you tonight that I've never preached this before. I, I have preached this before, but today, as I was sitting on the plane, I was reading my Bible, and I'm starting over for next year, uh, my Bible in a year, and I started reading through Genesis. And God just wouldn't leave me alone about this, Brother Mayo. And so I just felt like God kept pushing me. And so I'm going to be obedient to God. And I want to preach tonight with your help and the help of the Lord a simple thought that I have entitled Inside Out. Inside Out. Anybody know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about Inside Out? Some of y'all got a shirt somewhere right now laying across your couch. It's Well, praise God. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you. We worship you. We give you glory, give you honor. There's nobody like you. God, you're so good. 
You've been so good to me. God, I can't tell it all. You've been, you've been a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You've been my helper. God, you've been my strength. You're the one that anoints our head with oil. Come on, somebody help me pray right now. God, we pray right now that your spirit would come in this house, that you would anoint each and every saint of God that's here. Destroy every yoke of bondage that would try to set upon your people. God, I pray today that somebody that's here, maybe this is their first time, maybe this is their fifth time, but they don't have the Holy Ghost. They've never spoken in other tongues. As the Spirit of God gives the utterance, I pray that right now, God, that you would begin to pour out conviction and that your spirit would be made manifest in somebody's soul in this house tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord and give God high praise. Come on. Give him the best praise you've given him all night. Come on, somebody take the next 15, 20 seconds and get as loud as you can and make some Holy Ghost noise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. Again, this is the place that most people, I would say this is one of the uh, settings of the very first scriptures that people begin to learn. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was void and without form. So the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. This is a picture of creation, and as God begins to create, he makes a statement that is redundant, but it is powerful all at the same time. And God said that it was good. God stepped back and admired his handiwork, a statement that Moses writes as he describes the beginning of the world what it looked like through the revelation that God gives him. Out of nothing, God creates this beautiful world that we see, and he stopped and says, it is good. But, and, and this, I think I've preached here enough for y'all to know, this is my approach to Scripture, and this is the question that I have to ask God, is why did God say that it was good? Why did God look and say, this is good. I understand it was beautiful. I understand it was the plan of God. But uh, I also understand that there are things in Scripture that we, we need to take at face value. But sometimes God says something and it means a whole lot more than just what he says on the surface. And that applies, I believe, here when the question for me, again, was it good just because it was pleasant to see? Was it good because it was his creation, or was it good? Because within the idea of God, he, he placed within his creation a plan to bring about his desire for multiplication. We see it's in the nature of God in the very beginning. God likes multiplication. How many believe that? God likes to multiply things. It's the first blessing recorded in Scripture in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 22 as he is talking to the fish and the fowl. The Bible says that he blessed them and told them, this is the blessing, be fruitful and 
multiply. He blessed them by saying, you need to understand that blessing is connected to multiplication. And I, I, I believe that even today in 2023 that the blessing of God is still connected to multiplication. It's, it's the idea. It's the plan of God. It's his will. I believe that there is a constant theme of multiplication that is in the church. God did not call us to be stagnant. God did not call us to be singular dimensional. He calls us to go and to multiply. However, the idea of multiplication that God has. Now, I know we've talked about a little bit of this, and we're going we're to get into some of the other stuff here in a little bit. Uh, but, but what God talked about as he begins to deal with the identity of the church and the identity of how he creates things is God creates a world of multiplication that is not like yours and that is not like mine. Simply because when we learn to multiply, we learn that you can multiply anything by zero and it will always be zero, five. A hundred thousand, a hundred million, it doesn't matter. If you multiply it by zero, it will always be zero because there is, an, there is no external digit to multiply it by. But God does not see multiplication that way. And God shows us that as he creates this idea of multiplication in the earth. The Bible says he created the trees and he says, and the seed was in itself. Therefore, creating a world of multiplication where it does not matter what the external value is. A world of multiplication where the multiplying digit is within the subject that is being multiplied. Simply put, God's church does not multiply by what's going on on the outside. Let me tell you, I know the world looks bad right now, but the church doesn't grow according to how the world looks. Your financial blessings doesn't grow according to how the world looks. Your physical miracle doesn't happen according to how the world looks. God multiplies from the inside out. God multiplies from within. And as God called people, I believe that this is our day, this is our hour to let the earth know that we don't need any help from the government. We don't need any help from any group. We can grow all by ourselves. There is something inside of the church that will cause to leak out of the doors and to get inside the city and to cause this city to be attracted and the church grows from the inside out. It's the will of God that every, and I understand, on the day of Pentecost, Lord help me, Jesus, I don't want to make anybody mad, but we got a lot of, we got a lot of catchy phrases, Brother Marks, in today's world. I hear people say it all the time. Usually about the first of the year, they all start talking about each one win one. Everybody needs to win a soul this year, and I believe that, but that is not an apostolic model. It started on the day of Pentecost in an upper room with 120, but by that time, by the time, end of that day, three 3,000 souls were added. You know what that means? That means each one win 30. It started on the inside, but God said, this Holy Ghost, you can't keep it on the inside. You got to let it out. This 
Oh, Jesus, uh, this Holy Ghost is so powerful. It's uh, You can walk in uh, and be a fool uh, of depression and full of anxiety, uh, but come in contact with this Holy Ghost uh, and let it get on the inside uh, and let it bubble up out of you, and it'll change you. It'll change your neighbor. It'll change your neighborhood. It'll change your city. If you let God turn you inside out, Hallelujah. Can we be honest tonight? We are always as apostolic people looking for the miracle of multiplication to come from without. We're not the only people. Bible says that there was a woman who the debtors were coming to get her sons. And she comes to the man of God looking for a miracle. Preacher, can you tell me what I can do? Can you show me how to get the miracle? And you know what the preacher said? He didn't say, come here, let me pray for you. He asked her a question. What do you have in your house? Because the miracle is not connected to what I can do for you as an evangelist. I can't do anything for you. I can't fix you. I'm just going to tell you all my secrets tonight. I don't know a whole lot. I'm not very smart. Sometimes I make a lot of mistakes. But let me tell you about one that don't make mistakes. Let me tell you about one that will get on the inside of you and turn you inside out. And when you come to church and you start looking for some big miracle to come from without, I've come to preach to somebody tonight. You need to turn around and look within. God already gives you everything you need to have revival. God already gives you everything you need to change your world. It's on the end. Where's the all? Where's the miracle come from? You got to go home and open up your cabinet and look at what you got in your house. Use what you got. It's on the inside. But the miracle can't be the miracle until the miracle gets on the outside. Because you can get as much oil and you can pour bottle after bottle after bottle. And you can go hide them under the bed and put them in the closet and in the pantry. And you can hide them upstairs and put them in the attic. And that's not going to get you a miracle. But the miracle's going to happen. And the debt's going to be paid off, little winter woman. When you take what you got on the inside and you get it on the outside. The miracle can never be the miracle as long as you keep it cooped up but the moment you let God take what you got and expose it to somebody else the miracle starts becoming revealed in you say preacher I'm not nothing join the club I'm not nothing in it either but I do know that I've got some greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world I got something inside of me and it becomes the miraculous when I let it out of me I'm too insignificant. Like I said, join the club. See, in order to really know how big God is, you got to figure out how small you are first. That's why David would write, when I consider the heavens and the sun and the moon and the stars and all this stuff that you've done, what is man that you are mindful of us? Or the son of man 
thou hast visited him. You see, David had the revelation that for me to understand how big God is, I got to turn around and look at myself and realize how insignificant I am. And by realizing how insignificant I am, I realize how significant God is. Because God can take a little boy that's just been watching his daddy's sheep and turn him into a king if David will just let God take what's inside of him and pull it out of him. How how is God going to do something with me? Friend, I don't know. But this I do know. It's bigger than you can imagine. It's bigger than you can hope. It's bigger than you can even dream up. How is God going to use me? I don't know how God's going to use you. But I do know that God will take a little shepherd boy and say, David, if you'll follow me, I'll make you great. I'll use you in ways you never thought you could be used before. I'm nothing, but when I encounter God's Spirit, God's Spirit gets in me. It doesn't need anything external to multiply. It starts on the inside. Man looks on the outside. God told Samuel when he walked up to David. But God looks on the inside. He was saying there's something in that little shepherd boy that if he'll ever let me turn him inside out, he will literally change the world if he will just allow me to use what I put on the inside of him. David's life is a prime example of how God always gets greatness out of insignificant things because David didn't know how to lead a kingdom and David didn't know how to lead people but David knew how to lead sheep and I'm going to get a little ahead of myself right here but let me just tell you that God never pulls out of you what he puts in you in the same dimension that he put it in you. When God puts it in you he multiplies it and he pulls it out of you. That's why a little shepherd boy can be leading sheep but he don't know how to lead a kingdom sister Mayo but he knows how to lead sheep and God says okay I put that in you, David, but when I pull it out of you, you're going to be the king of Judah. Then you're going to be the king of Israel because I'm not pulling it out of you the same way I put it in you. I've come to preach to somebody tonight that God has put destiny in you, but he's not pulling it out of you the same way he put it in you. He's going to pull it out, press down, shake I know it's Tuesday night, but I feel like preaching to somebody that the devil's had you uh, in the corner telling you that you don't matter to God. Let me tell you right now, the devil is a liar. There's destiny in you uh, that's bigger than you. Uh, There's greatness in you uh, that's bigger than you. Just a nine-to-five worker. Just Just another person that walks down the local supermarket but gets something great on the inside. I think songwriters really got it when they understood that I'm nothing. That's why you can read all through David's, David's Psalms and understand he repetitively talks about how insignificant he is, but it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the fact that I've got something in me 
And when you connect to what's inside of me, you can just pretty much say whatever you need. I've got it on the inside of me because God is. And you can say whatever you need to say after that. God is a miracle worker. God is a promise keeper. God is hope when I'm hopeless. God is friend when I'm friendless. God is a bridge over troubled water. God is money when I'm broke. God is medicine when I'm sick. God is water when I'm thirsty. God is everything that I need. And because I got a big God on the inside of me, you can be, I'm telling you, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. You can be standing in the middle of Walmart and somebody come up to you and tell you something's different about you. And you can tell them, I've got something inside of me that's greater than the depression that you're having to deal with right now. You can be walking through Lowe's and you just be getting together some stuff to work on a house. And all of a sudden, somebody walk up to you and tell you, hey, there's something different about you. What is it? You're not like everybody else. And you can look at them and tell them, yeah, you're right. I've got something inside of me that God wants to give to you. It's the gift of the Holy it's the power of an almighty God. It's joy in the middle of sorrow. It's beauty for ashes. It, it's a spirit of dancing in return for the spirit of mourning. I've got something to shout about. I want you to understand how this works tonight. Likening God's people, his church, to the tree. You have to understand the revival doesn't multiply just because the tree is the tree. Because the seed isn't in the stump. Woo. I think I'm going to preach this for a minute. Seed isn't just because you're a part of the tree. Praise God, you look like the tree. You walk like the tree. You talk like the tree, but you'll find in the New Testament that Jesus cursed the tree because it looked like the tree, but it wasn't showing fruit like the tree was supposed to show. Because the seed isn't in the stump. The seed is in the fruit. And everywhere you read in Genesis, he says, what be fruitful and multiply. You see, this multiplication business doesn't happen until you, until you start becoming fruitful while you're going through hell. Now, you got to understand, just because you're fruitful doesn't mean you don't have bad days. And it doesn't mean uh, that you don't have to go through some stuff. You can go through hell and still be fruitful. You can fight. You can find all manner of stuff and still be fruitful. There needs to be somebody in the house tonight that says, I'm going to multiply because I made up in my mind, devil, give me everything you're going to throw in me, and I'm still going to be fruitful. I'm not giving up. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not walking away from God because I know that my multiplication is in my fruitfulness. That's why you can read about, can I preach a little bit? Y'all got time? I know you probably got stuff in, in, uh, in the oven and getting ready for Thanksgiving. You already getting ready. But I, it's the last time we're going to preach for Thanksgiving. So just this, this idea of fruitful in affliction is best, in my opinion, is best portrayed in the Old Testament by a man by the name of Joseph. Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers. Now, there, there's something about Joseph that's interesting to me, and that's every time he begins an ascension, they take his coat. Every time God starts blessing him, they take his coat. 
His brothers take his coat. When Potiphar's wife gets after him, telling all her lies, what's she take? His coat. But can I just preach to you tonight that the devil's kind of dumb because he didn't know that the man made the clothes. The clothes didn't make the man. You take my coat, I'll go get another coat. Where did he get that? I don't know where he got that second coat from, but there was something inside of Joseph that when he got to Potiphar's house, I'm going to borrow your coat, Bishop. When he went to Potiphar's house, he said, Potiphar, I know you've made me the ruler over your house. One thing I got to know, do you have an extra coat? Because I'm going to get what my brethren stole from me. There was something inside of Joseph that said, you take my job, I'll go get a better job. Devil, you can fire me, but that'll be all right. God's going to bless me, and I'm going to be elevated to a position like you've never seen. Take my coat, but you can't take my praise. Take my coat, but you can't take my fruitfulness. Take my coat, but you can't take my joy. Take my coat, but you can't stop me from running the aisles. You can take my coat, but you're not going to stop me from leaping for joy. You can take my coat, take this whole world, but if I got Jesus, I got everything I need to go get another coat. I got a word for somebody tonight. You're about to enter into the season of your second coat. The devil took it from you. You've been fighting hell, but there's a new coat getting ready to be put in your closet. I know you feel like all hope is lost, but go get another coat. He thought, he thought, If I take his coat, I take his capabilities. Because the devil thought this was outside in. But this ain't outside in. It's inside out. And everything that God gave me, it didn't come because I met with the right social group. It didn't come because I know the right people. It came because one day in my grandmother's living room as a seven-year-old boy, Mama started praying for Jacob. And somewhere about 15 minutes after praying, the Holy Ghost got a hold of me. And God began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the other. I'm telling you what God gave me, it ain't because of what I got on the outside. It's because of what's on the inside. When I was a boy, they used to say it like this, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me, this joy that I have. You know what they were saying? It's inside. I'm, this coat anointed, I'm going to preach with this for a minute. <laughs> Somebody getting the revelation. Take every coat I got. God will just keep blessing me with more coats. Can can I just preach to somebody right now that's depressed and oppressed because the devil took your coat? God's got a better coat for you. I just came to preach in Spokane today and tell you you got something on the inside and it's going to bless everything you touch if you let it out. (laughs) 
inside, out. Take my coat. So you can't take my victory. Because victory don't belong to me. I ain't never had victory. Paul said it like this. In myself, there is no good thing. That means I ain't never had joy. I ain't never had peace. I ain't never had understanding. I ain't never had victory. I ain't never had blessing. But Brother James gave us some understanding when he said every good and perfect gift coming from the Father above. Paul said, I ain't got nothing in me that's good. But James said, when you get this Holy Ghost on the inside, it'll be joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. I don't have victory, but God has victory. And thanks be unto God who giveth us the victory. I can't get it on my own. I got a lot more to preach, but I'm just parking right here for a moment. Because we got people in the sound of my voice tonight. And you, you're frustrated because you're trying to do it on your own. Victory is the Lord's. I'm just trying to preach to you tonight that if you get the Holy Ghost, you got everything you need. You don't need more money. You need more Holy Ghost. You don't need a different marriage. You need more Holy Ghost. You don't need it. Listen, I understand there are seasons in life, but what you understand, you need to understand is your blessing is connected to what you got on the inside. And if you're running on empty, your world is going to run on empty. But if you get full and overflowing of the Holy Ghost and let God turn you inside out, it'll change your world. Can you get me? Genesis chapter 41 and verse 43. This is what happens when you get a new coat. Remember what I told you a minute ago? God never pulls it out of you in the same dimension he puts it in you. Joseph had a dream, Brother Sergeant. Remember what his dream was? His brethren and his mama and his daddy was bowing down to him. That was the dream. But God never pulls it out of you. The same way he puts it in you. Genesis chapter 41, verse 43. And he, he being uh, Pharaoh, made him, him being Joseph. So Pharaoh made Joseph to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they crowd before him. Bow the knee. God help me, Jesus. I'm about to have a Holy Ghost come apart right now. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. God gave him a dream of his brethren and his mama and daddy bowing down to him. But when God pulled the dream out of him, it wasn't just his brethren and his mama and daddy, but it was a whole nation of Egypt. See, that's why the devil don't want you dreaming because he knows that God doesn't give you the dream back the same way he gave it to you. God gave you a dream of a 1,000, but when God gets done, Bishop, it'll be 5,000. God gave... God gave you a dream of a business, but when God gets done, you'll own multiple businesses because it's inside out. 
I just feel in the Holy Ghost. I feel this right now. I feel in the Holy Ghost. The devil's been trying to convince some of you that those dreams that God will give you because you ate too much pizza, that dream God gave you, that, that, that wasn't really from God. That, that was just, you, you, you've been thinking, you've been dreaming too much, daydreaming, and you, you, you've just been thinking about it. And so because you've been thinking about it so much, you started dreaming about it at night. There's no prophetic word in that. I'm going to say it again. The devil is a liar. He don't want you dreaming because he don't want the dream coming to life in Egypt. He don't want you dreaming because he don't want Joseph ruling over Egypt. He wants you to stay and just admit that you lost your coat and stay in the pit and cry about it. But somebody's got to make up in their mind tonight. I'm going to Pharaoh's house. I'm getting a new coat. And God is going to reveal the dream in Egypt. And when Joseph starts getting older, boy, I love this Bible stuff. When Joseph starts getting older, Bishop, I know you already know where I'm going, but I, I just, whoo, I get excited when I start thinking about this. Joseph grows old and starts having kids. And when he has kids, he names them Ephraim and Manasseh. Ephraim, God has caused me to forget all the toil of my father's house. You know what Joseph was saying in 2023? I don't look like what I've been through. I've been through some stuff. And you look at me and you see me today. And you think I got it made because I'm sitting up here next to Pharaoh. But what you don't know is I done been through some stuff. But the scars that I got, God covered them. God healed them. God saved me. God, I was supposed to be bitter, but God kept me from being bitter. I, I was supposed to be full of grief, but God kept me from getting full of grief. And he brought the dream to life. And Manasseh, Ephraim. And Manasseh, which means fruitful in affliction. Devil, you tried to take me out, but this is inside-out revival. And when I get older, I'm going to lead a generation. And it don't just start with stop. I could preach this all the way through the New Testament, but I'm not going to. Just understand, it's there. It's a, it's a cycle that goes over and over and over again. But let me just give you a short version right now. You need to understand, Joseph dies, but the promise doesn't die with him. Because the Bible says the more they afflicted them. See, the devil got you convinced that because you're afflicted, God forgotten about you. But what you need to understand sometimes uh, is the hell that you're fighting uh, is a mark that hell's put against you because he's afraid of you. You're not fighting hell because of everything you've done wrong. Uh, you're fighting hell because the devil sees the fruitfulness uh, that God has put inside of you. Uh, and he understands uh, the seed is in uh, the fruit. Uh, I've been talked about. I've been stepped on. I've been drugged through the mud. I've been scandalized. But at the end of the day, God made me fruitful in affliction. The more they afflicted him, the more they multiplied. The more, let me just preach this, the cornerstone. The more... Depression came against them. 
the more they multiplied, the more fear and anxiety came against them, the more they multiplied. I, I just, I, I know I've said this, but I want to say this again because I really want you to get it. You, I've preached all over this country. I don't know of another church that has went through six buildings in 30 years. Five or five buildings. I'm preaching right now prophetically. We're going to make it six in Jesus' name. <laughs> Woo! That's an average of every six years, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. I figured it up the other day. I, I think it was the average of every six years you've been in a new building. That don't happen. And what's happening? Ooh, help me, Jesus. I'm about to step on the devil's foot so bad right now. He's going to be limping for six months. What's happening is the devil's got you convinced that because you're here and you see it all the time. This is just the status quo, and you don't even realize that you've got fruit in your hand. And God's saying the more they afflicted them, the more they were fruitful. And the more they were fruitful... I wish there'd be some Holy Ghost Johnny Appleseeds that get in this house and just start. I'll eat every bit of the fruit and throw the seed down and plant another tree. And 10 years from now, there's going to be a Bible study come out of this. There's going to be a family saved out of this. There's going to be a community saved out of this. I'm go- and then I'm going to eat that fruit and I'm going to take the seed from that and plant it in another field. And it's going to grow again. Fruitful from the inside out. And see, y'all musicians, come help me because I'll preach all night the way I feel right now. I got this good coat. I'm, boy, I wish it fit me. I'd wear it. I'm not going to take it from you, but I am going to it I want you to have it. I want to bless you. It looks great on you. It's yours. God going to give him a better one. Take my revival. I'll give you a better one. See, here's the thing. Now, I know, I, I know this is elementary to some of y'all. Y'all way smarter than me. Y'all just keep running, boys. We'll, we'll have church. This, this is elementary to some of y'all, but this is deep to me. Elder, did you know that if you plant cucumbers, watermelons won't grow? I know you from the South. You know that kind of stuff. I know that's simple. But you ain't going to plant a tomato and get a corn stalk. Ready? The seed is not in the tree. It's in the fruit. So you can't plant bitterness and expect to get blessings. See, because some of you, oh, help me, Jesus. Some of you been planting pouting and thinking that it's going to come up praise, but that ain't how it works. When you get what you plant, fruitful in affliction, your fruit can come up bitterness, and it can come up gossip, and it can come up envy, or you can make it up in your mind, I'm going through hell, but I'm going to walk in joy. I'm going to walk in power. I'm going to walk in praise, and I'm going to let the spirit of the fruit come up in this house. And it's... I 
wish somebody come out of your pew right now that's been fighting hell and say, I'm fixing a plant a seed of praise. I'm fixing a plant a seed of gratefulness. I'm fixing a plant a seed that lets the devil know I might be down, but I'm not out. Somebody make some Holy Ghost noise right now. Inside out. Come on, let God turn you inside out right now. Let the revival that you got. I got a praise. I got a praise. And I, I got to let it out. somebody next to you know this is raise your hand bump or maybe with your elbow and tell them hey i've been going through hell i've been fighting seems like it's all i can do to just get to church seems like it's all i can do to just keep my head above the water i dare you to plant a seed right now that's going to come up let god turn you inside out i know you want to be bitter I, I understand that but i'm just preaching to you right now that if you'll turn that bitterness around and praise god through the bitterness huh, that god's going to bless you uh, and you're going to turn around a year from now and look back and say i don't know how but i know who god turned me inside of somebody that's been fighting hell giving your best praise right now <laughs> 